Good morning. Good morning. How are you? <clears throat> Excuse me. Wonderful to be here with you today. <clears throat> Wonderful to be back for another episode of Zen Wisdom for Your Everyday Life. And actually, the word Zen is beautiful. It's wonderful. It's a wake-up word. But it's just wisdom. Wisdom is wisdom. We don't have to label it. Is it Zen wisdom, Christian wisdom, Jewish wisdom, Muslim wisdom? Wisdom is wisdom. And that is actually the Zen perspective. Wisdom. What does even does that word even mean, though? Let's look at it a little bit today. What could that word wisdom even mean? From the Zen point of view, it's a... I remember my teacher once said, it's, it's a, a flashlight, a light that takes you through a cloudy, dark night. You just have that light shining, shining on whatever appears before you. Having a light like that, my goodness. You don't bump into trees. You say, oh, it's a tree, how beautiful. You don't expect a piece of wood to sing a song to you. It does sing its own song, but you see what it is and, and what it is that you're walking through or along on a dark, cloudy night. Very beautiful. A staff in a clear, sunny day, he would say. It's something to lean on. If you get a little tired <laughs> or if you feel a bit out of sorts or a little wobbly or a little confused, wisdom, a staff to lean upon. It's many, it permeates your life and it has many, many transformations as well. So wisdom, wisdom, somehow we, we break it up into many, <coughs> excuse me, denominations. And then one denomination fights the next to see whose wisdom is the best. Or whose wisdom is the real wisdom, but it's wisdom is just wisdom. It's just truth is true. And it's just that simple. <laughs> and, you know, we, we cannot bear things to be too clear or too simple. I've noticed that. We cannot bear it. <clears throat> it's like we enjoy complications. Confusion, we enjoy it. We create it. We play games with it. That's how we make a game. Everybody has a part and everybody has an important, different strategy and who's going to win the game. And we've turned our precious life into a game, a confused, complicated, intricate game where there are winners and losers and those who get hurt and those who do not. Although ultimately everyone gets hurt when we play these games, when we distort what is and create confusion. So Zen wisdom really comes just simply to a, the practice of Zen anyway, Zazen and Kinhin and all, and eating, sleeping, touching, cleaning, everything that comes to help us through the confusion, to eliminate the confusion, because there is no confusion actually in life itself. Life itself is very plain and clear. It's clear. It's obvious. It's clear what to do. 
When we're just receiving this moment as it is, it's absolutely clear what the next step is. But we don't do that. What we do is create all kinds of delusions and illusions regarding our experiences. Busy, busy, busy rejecting a lot of our experience, judging it, hating it, going to war with it. And the other part of our experience, clinging to it, loving it, wanting more and more and more of it, demanding that we have it again and again. And that itself is what binds us and creates such confusion and unhappiness and and all the delusions. And then we come to these holiday season. It's many holiday seasons. Now we have Passover, which we're in the middle of. We have Easter coming, right same time really as Passover coming. We have the Buddha's birthday coming on April 8th. Many, 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 many holiday seasons, many, many illuminations of truth, of just this, of, you could call it God, you could call it Mu, you could call it Endless Dimension, Universal Life, which is what Son Roshi called it. You could call it many, many, many names, but the na- and all of the names are very beautiful names, words, images, images. Words are images that we are superimposing upon the experience itself. And truth is the experience itself before we attach all these ideas to it, names to it, beliefs to it. The raw and powerful experience itself. Zen wisdom or Zen practice asks us to abide. I love that word, abide, dwell, abide in the actual experience itself. And therefore, when you do, you really cannot get lost in illusion and delusion because you're not really paying attention to the delusions and the illusions and the endless chorus of our mind, which have has all these complaints, demands, blah, 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 warnings. It's endless. But Zen practice asks us to put our attention on something else, on our actual, genuine experience of this moment now. And then the next moment now. And each moment, of course, is now. And each moment, believe it or not, when you do that, is both the same and different. It's such an interest. The world becomes vastly interesting. Our experience becomes amazingly interesting because a very simple thing when we're really, really paying attention to it comes alive. It becomes alive under our eyes. Wow. I never saw that. I never realized that. I looked at it 20 times and I never saw that because we weren't really paying full attention with no thoughts interfering to what's right here. You know, that kind of unalloyed attention, I like that word, unalloyed, unmixed, clear, full, sincere attention to just what's presenting itself, that is the pearl of great price. That's it. 
that kind of attention is healing, it's loving, and it brings so much to us. Whoa, it, it, it opens worlds in front of your eyes. You see so much, it cuts right through confusion immediately. So that's what we do in Zazen. One, one of the things we do is practice, it's a practice of paying attention. Now, I'm not talking about superficial attention. I'm not talking about attention mixed with lots of thoughts and ideas about what's happening. Those thoughts and ideas about what's happening, is, is, those are the delusions and the confusion about it. In, in this practice, we're asking just to pay deep, unalloyed attention to whatever appears to your breath. And we don't move because moving shakes us up. So while we're doing Zazen, of course, after Zazen, we do a lot of moving, but during Zazen, no moving. Do not move. Do not sway. Do not run away from this moment. Now, many people will say, well, it's just boring. There's nothing here to distract my attention. Look how we want distraction. We're totally terrified of being bored. We want, we crave that distraction, entertainment, stimulation. We're craving it, craving it. But what it is really, it's not necessarily truly stimulation in a positive sense. It's a way to grab your attention. That's your most precious possession, your attention. So much wants to just grab our attention. Grab it, eat it up, scatter it. Pay attention to this, to that, to this, to that. And then we live on the superficial surface of life, harried, never fulfilled, never satisfied, never clear. What should I pay attention to next? What's next? This movie, this vacation, this person, especially with social media. Oh, my goodness. Everything trying to grab our attention. In Zazen, we reclaim our attention. No, 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 no. Just to one simple thing, just maybe to the breath, to the posture, whatever. Just pay attention to what, or maybe whatever appears. Just pay attention to that. And people will say, well, it might be very, very boring. Now, that boredom is an illusion. Go beyond it. Go through the boredom because there's nothing less boring than when the attention becomes whole and you can, it can really rest, rest on what's right here. It's an amazing moment. You become one with what's here. You re- your energy returns to you. It's a very powerful experience of reclaiming your attention and putting it just, or letting it self go just to this moment. So much anxiety, worry, terror, unnecessary confusion, delusion just disappears because what 
the only way we give something power in our life or energy in our life is by feeding it attention. Very fascinating truth, which we learn. You know, I have this beautiful plant in the room that I uh, do zazen in here. I little, love this little room. And when I when we bought it, it was just little, just moved in here a few months ago. It's almost a tree now. It's sprouting. It's so happy to be doing zazen with me. I feel it doing zazen with me, and it's receiving the attention, the, the zazen, and it's also giving me so much. I feel so much of its attention and love. It's such a profound and mysterious and beautiful experience to do zazen together. Now we don't pay, I'm not paying attention to the plant, but it's here next to me and it's feeling the attention. And it also has its form of attention. And it's growing, growing, growing. It's almost a little tree now, very beautiful. It's happy. I could feel it singing. I can almost hear it singing. We can grow the people in our life that way too. Just pay attention to them. Without all the labels, without all the thoughts, without wanting them to be any special way, just allowing them to be to grow like this beautiful plant is growing. You, you know, there's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful phrase in Zen literature which says, when they're talking about the Zen experience or of Zazen practice, and I, this is a phrase that always touched me so much. It said, like a child returning to its mother. Hmm. Beautiful image, a child returning to its mother. When we sit down, we return to our mother, to our beloved one, to the arms of that in whom we feel safe, <clears throat> in whom we feel nurtured, accepted. That's what that image is talking about. Just returning, sitting there, receiving. Beneath all of the confusion, delusion, madness, etc., etc., waits the mother. <laughs> it awaits us. There was a great teacher in India that my friend of mine lived with for four years or so, the Jalalamudi mother. And he told me that she, when she spoke of herself, she said, I'm the mother who cannot be wounded. Mm. I'm the mother of all. I cannot be wounded. <laughs> if you throw flowers at me or if you throw a knife at me, it's all the same. I cannot be wounded. Mm. How beautiful. She's speaking of the wisdom that we return to, it cannot be wounded. She's speaking from the point of view of that wisdom, of, become, of having become one with it, of being it, of giving it a voice. It's the delusions and illusions that wound us, but when we are at one with that 
fundamental wisdom. We cannot be wounded. Cannot be. Because we're not invested in the madness. <laughs> we see it. It appears in our life. Somebody will throw a flower. Somebody might throw a knife. Yes, of course. But we see it for what it is. It doesn't go in. There's nowhere for it to go. We're one with the wisdom. We're one with the mother, the source. We're being held by something very, very deep, very eternal, and very profound. And we don't pay attention to the knives or to the flowers. We thank you for the flowers. Maybe maybe this great mother would have said thank you for the knives as well. She might not have even seen the difference. But we're not, we know who we are. We know that who we are cannot be wounded. Now, that's a really deep Zen koan, and I offer it to you. I offer it to you, and I offer it to myself, too. I offer it, I offer it as a great koan. Dwell with that, dwell with that. Dwell with the mother who cannot be wounded in you and in the world. Find that, live that. And indeed, the precious wisdom of this time of year will be upon us. Take good, good care and have a wonderful week. The URL for this podcast is www.zenwisdomtoday.com. And if you want to reach me or communicate in any way, um, I'm always open to and to emails and I love corresponding with you. I enjoy them. My email is topspeaker at yahoo.com. And uh, have a beautiful day. Bye.